eternal and ever-blessed God. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Word. Now we are going to open up your Word, and your Word is to be shown. We pray that you may prepare our hearts to be good soil, to receive the teaching of your Word, that we may lay your Word in our hearts, remember it, believe you, and by faith obey your truth, so that we may bear good fruit to your glory and to our own blessing. Come, O God, and speak to our hearts and our consciences. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, dear friends, this morning let us first of all turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 16. And last week we uh, mentioned Romans 6. Paul says here to Christian believers, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slave to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey. Whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness. And verse 22, But now having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your foot to holiness at the end everlasting life. Now in the first five chapters of Romans, Paul has laid out very clearly how one is to be justified by faith in Jesus. And now he's speaking to Christian believers, setting forth before them that a way of life for a truly justified person is the way of obedience to God and the end is life. What Paul is saying is that if you truly believe, now you suddenly know that you are going to present yourself a slave to God. To obedience leading to righteousness bearing fruit of holiness and the end is everlasting life. This is the way of faith. And it also says to Christian believers, uh, but you also know, don't you, if you live in disobedience, and that is the way of the world, the way of unbelief, the end is everlasting destruction, eternal condemnation. Now bear in mind Paul is here saying to Christian believers. So here we have certainly uh, not just instruction but a severe warning as well. There are two ways to live, and there are only two ways.
grace to live. Out of faith, leading to obedience, to holiness, and to everlasting life, or unbelief and disobedience and destruction. Remember our Lord Jesus says about these two ways, there's a broad way to destruction. And many walked in that way. There is also a narrow way to life. Only few are traveling on it. Two ways to live. Two different masters. My friends, I want to ask you at the outset, whose slaves are you? Well, that's the language of the Bible. Slave. Dulos. Whose slave are you? Whom do you serve in life? Well, you may say, as some may say, well, I'm slave to no one. I'm a free person. I'm beholden to none. Really? My friends, I want to ask you, do you not know something about the slavery to fear? To agitations? To worries? To passions? To lust? To envy? To discontentment? Do you not know something of these struggles? The bondage to self and to sin. Augustine has a famous prayer. He prayed to God. O oh Lord, deliver me from that evil man. Myself. What a prayer, isn't it? Do you pray that sort of prayer? Oh Lord, deliver me from that evil man, that evil woman. Who is he? Who is she? Myself. Are we really that free after all? Who is our master? Who governs our life? What drives your life? Now this morning, we want to go back all the way to Moses, some 14 years before, so 40 years, 1400 years before Paul, Moses, on the plain of Moab, gave his farewell addresses to the people of Israel, and in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, he says this, I called heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now this morning we're actually focusing on that verse. All that I've said before is only introduction. Our text here is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. 
And when Moses said this, he was a broken-hearted leader. He had led the people of Israel out of Egypt, the ten mighty plagues upon Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea. And then what happened to the people? The people soon afterwards disbelieved God, they disobeyed God, and because of that, they had to wander the desert for 40 years. And the entire male generation passed away by the time Moses said this word. Only three men, about the age of 20, still lived. Moses, Joshua, Caleb, Moses' brother Aaron and sister Miriam had died because of their own sins. And Moses himself, because of his own disobedience to God, on one occasion, was not allowed to enter the Promised Land. Could he imagine that, my dear friends? You know it's a great blessing to live to a good old age, but together with that, we heard, we see our friends pass away. Even at my age, time and again, I heard of news of people whom I knew pass away. Some slightly younger, slightly older than I, others are much younger than I. That's the sorrows of life. But Moses had a greater birth. He saw all the men whom he knew died in the dust. And now he's speaking to their children. And their children's children. Moses' heart is suddenly heavy. And he suddenly is concerned right here. Will this second generation fare better? If their fathers all disobeyed God and perished in the wilderness, would their children be better? In this chapter, he's actually prophesying. Then in the future, the people of Israel will be so disobedient that they will be exiled from the land. Yes, they will enter the promised land, but later on, because of their disobedience to God, they will be expelled from the land. But one day, Moses also says here, they will return to the land when they shall return to the Lord. So Moses is here, calling heaven and earth to be witnesses, and setting before the people two ways to live. There's the way of life unto life. There's a way of death unto death. And he made them choose life. 
Look at it again in verse 19. Moses says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. To whom Moses shall call as witnesses? He is the people of Israel. He is the wilderness. And he's calling heaven and earth as witnesses against you. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. There's only two ways to live. Either life or death. Either blessing or cursing. Choose life. And dear friends, you and I, have to choose. Not just once, but we have to keep on choosing. We have to keep on walking in the way of faith and obedience. The devil will come to us and say to us, well, you've been walking with the Lord for uh, quite a many, many years. Now, we're tired from the Christian life. It's fine. There's no retirement from the Christian life. Choose life, even on your deathbed. I choose to believe. And how does faith work out? Look at verse 20 again. Is that when we choose life, we are going to love the Lord our God. We are going to obey Him. We are going to cling to Him. Like a child. Oh, it tripped over. It got boots and split it. What does it do? It runs to mother or father. Or grandma, for that matter. And the child cries and, and it flows to the embrace of the parents. It cleaves to the parents. Moses says, God is your life. The Lord is your life. If you got your Bible open at Deuteronomy chapter 30, you can go back earlier in verse 15. You see, Moses is repeatedly warning the people, urging the people. In verse 15, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgment, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go in to possess. Verse 17, But if your heart turns away, so that you do not hear, 
and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you crossed over the Jordan to go in and possess. You may like to ask, did the people of Israel listen to Moses? Did the second generation turn out to be faithful? The answer is yes. Fathers were unbelieving and disobedient. Children were so much better. The people whom Moses addressed himself to hear was a faithful generation. They believed. They entered the promised land. They possessed the land. They were a faithful generation. But then after that, their children and children's children, soon they turn to idols. They worship the Baal and all kinds of foreign gods. And the Lord bore with them for long, year after year, until one day, they were expelled from the land of promise. They became fugitives all over the world. But I want to remind you that the Lord bore with them for long. It was around the year 1400 BC that Moses warned the people here. And they kept on disobeying God until about 600 BC. They were expelled from the land to Babylon. Now the species could go backward. So the Lord bore with them for some 800 years. The long patience. Now this morning, let us look at it in more detail. There are two ways to live. First of all, there's the way of life. I said before you, life. Choose life. Now, the way of life starts with a little thing called faith. We can't start with the way of life without starting at faith. We can't bypass faith. We start there. We believe in God, in the God of the Bible, in His Holy Word. We start with faith. We believe that God is exactly what He has said about Himself, that God is. And His Word is truth. And faith, my dear friend, is a very interesting thing, as Luther like to put it. Luther says, faith is a little active thing. Faith is so little. Actually, my dear friends, faith itself is nothing. What is faith? Faith is that connection 
that link us to the living God. Last week, I was asked about the Wi-Fi password of this building. Well, I gave it to the person who asked me. You know that password? What is that? That is the connection, that link to whatever. I don't know the technicalities. And uh, I can't tell you the password. I guess the person who might talk about the password, uh, she cannot remember it anymore. That's faith. You don't focus on faith. Faith is the link. Faith is the connection. Faith lay holds upon Christ. Faith lay hold upon life everlasting. How does faith work? Faith says, well, I am nothing. I am nobody. I am a sinner. But Lord Jesus, you'll be my savior. I don't want to rule for my life. I don't want to divert my own life. I let you rule for me. I follow you. That is faith. When we have true faith, we don't boast about our faith. Oh, look at what sort of faith I have. I have met proud, boastful, so-called Christians. They say, look at me. I have great faith. You have little faith. Faith doesn't work like that. Faith lays hold on Jesus. Faith says, I am weak. I'm poor. I'm a failure. I'm a sinner. Faith lays hold upon Christ and get a life in Jesus. And friends, if you and I have true faith, you know, what you will do is that you will lead to specific, wholehearted obedience to God and His Word. Look at verse 10. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God. You stop there. What are you listening? You say, I'm listening to your preaching. Hopefully it's not my preaching alone. But we are hearing the voice of the Lord our God. Whenever we read the Bible, whenever we hear the preaching of God's word, we take it in and we say, this is the voice of God, I'm going to listen. It doesn't matter if a donkey should preach to us. If it preaches God. And then, in verse 10, to keep His commandments and His statutes which are written in this book of the law. You see, there are many people who say, well, I believe in God, but I don't go to church. I don't read the Bible. Why well, do I need to read the Bible? I believe in God. Well, that is not faith in the God of the Bible. Faith, if it's true faith, let us to obey the specific commandments and words and statutes that is written in the Bible. It's specific obedience.
If you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, it's a whole-hearted obedience. All your heart, all your soul. And also faith is accompanied by a whole-hearted repentance. Go back to verses 1 to 2. There Moses says, In the future, when they will be exiled to all the nations, and they shall remember the things of God, the word of God, and they, and says, when you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice, According to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart, with all your soul. Faith in God is accompanied by a wholehearted repentance. You know, friends, you can test yourself, you can ask yourself, whether it's like this, because when faith is working, it will convict us of our sins and our eyes will be open oh I have disobeyed God in this and that and so many things you can go through the Ten Commandments oh I have disobeyed God in coveting in envy and bitterness and so on and you say I'm going to go back to God I'm going to go back to God, I'm going to return to Him, and I'm going to obey Him wholeheartedly. When someone who truly believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not going to bargain with God, Lord, I'm going to obey you in this, but not that, but not that. I've actually met with people. They say, well, we are believers. Oh, but I can't go to church. Oh, why can't I go? Why can't you go to church? Well, because I have to remain as a mistress to a witch man. A mistress to a witch man? Oh, yes. I got a new boyfriend and he's a witch fellow. And I must accompany him for his fun on Sunday, on Sunday, yorking and so on. Well, I must remain as a mistress to this witch man. Why? Well, because I need money. But, but don't you know that it's wrong to be a mistress of some, some, anyone, <laughs> not just witch man? Oh, but... God can pardon me with that sin. I believe in God. I will love Him. But Lord, you must let me be a mistress of a witch man. Hmm? What do you think of that? That is not biblical faith. There's no wholehearted repentance. Now, friends, let's be fair. Let's be very kind and sympathetic. You may smile, you may laugh at that woman. But you're not that woman. 
You don't have to leave by being a mistress to someone. She has to. It will be a big sacrifice. We won't dwell on that. We move on. True faith and repentance spring from a renewed heart. Look at verse 6. And this is so comforting and exciting. And the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. My dear friends, I want you to know this. You and I cannot change our hearts. You and I cannot make ourselves believe. You and I cannot make ourselves repent. You and I cannot open our eyes that we may see the things of God. It takes God Himself to do that. And Moses says, in the future, the Lord your God will be so merciful to you and your descendants that He will circumcise your heart. The Lord will renew your heart so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might and soul. And that's why, my dear friend, I say this is so comforting and encouraging. You go to the Lord. You cry to Him. Lord, my faith is so small. My repentance is so inconsistent. I still disobey you so often. I still stumble and fall. But Lord, you work in me. Like that father who was lacking of faith in Jesus, but he cried to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. What a prayer. Years ago, I met with a godly Christian woman. Oh, she would be the best that you ever have met. And she said, my prayer constantly is this, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. If we believe, we are conscious of our unbelief. And when we pray to the Lord, Lord, you give me faith. You increase my faith. The Lord will heal. The Lord will renew our hearts. The Lord will circumcise our hearts. And out of that renew hearts. We are going to repent and believe. Now just quickly under this heading. You look at verses 14 to 4, verses 11 to 14. And Moses says here, Well, this command which I command you today is not too mysterious for you. It's not far off. It's not in heaven. It's not beyond the sea. It's very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. Moses is saying to the people, The word I'm saying to you is so simple. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's not up in heaven. Then you have to go up to heaven. It's not down. Beyond the sea, they would go over the ocean to find it. No, it's right here. You can hear it and believe it and obey it. Now, my dear friends, I want to ask you. Seriously. 
Is the central message of the Bible very difficult? I know there are many difficult things in the Bible, I know that. But the central message of the Bible, is it very difficult? What is the central message of the Bible? It starts with God. God is. God is holy. God is just. God is good. And then it says, man, humanity is rebellious and disobedient and sinful and deserves God's holy judgment. And then what? And then it says, God in his love has condemned sin in his own son. That those who believe in Christ shall be pardoned and accepted and saved. Now, let me ask you. Is it very difficult, this message? Is it very hard, this three-point message? God, the Holy One, me, the sinner, Christ, the Savior? Are they very hard? I think, my dear friends, chemistry and physics are far harder. I can never understand anyone can do chemistry. For that matter, you know, many of you here, you, you did chemistry and you did it well. I admire you. It's so difficult. Or physics. Or mathematics. Calculus. I taught myself calculus here in Australia. Many of a good past, but now I forgot them. But the message of the Bible is so simple, isn't it? Now Paul picks up the language of Moses here in Romans chapter 10 and he says, The gospel, the word of faith, the message of righteousness by faith in Christ is near. So let us sum up under this heading the way of life unto life. It starts with faith, leads on to love for the Lord, obedience, keeping God's commandments, leading on to everlasting life. So this is the first way. Choose life, my friends. But then second way is the way of death. How does the way of death start? It also starts with a little thing. Cause unbelief. Now friends, unbelief like faith is a very little thing. It's such a little thing. I just don't believe in the God of the Bible. I don't believe that God is like that. I don't believe that. If I believe in God, I have to go to church. I have to go to, uh, to read the Bible. I don't believe what the Bible says about repentance or, or Christ or faith. Some years ago, I met with, a, with an older man in his mid-90s. A learned man, a nice man. He was lamenting all these blasphemy in society, all the unrighteousness in society. He grew up in church, but he was no longer a believer then. I said, what's the problem? What's the difficulty? He said, I 
just and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is divine. This poor man, he just won't believe. He loved Shakespeare. He loved the King James Bible. He loved the old hymns. Oh, he loved literature. He loved the sound of old English. He didn't like blasphemy. He just won't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You see, friends, unbelief is such a little thing. So little. So little. Unbelief will say, well, such a man, being such a nice man, an upright man, surely God will accept him. Even though he did not believe in Jesus to be the Son of God. Would you say that, my dear friends? Unbelief says so. Faith says no. There's no salvation outside of Christ. I'm the way, the life, and the truth. What is unbelief? Unbelief is saying no to God. I just won't take you to be God and my God. I just won't believe your word. My dear friends, why would a child ever say no to parents? You see, I often wonder. A baby is born so lovely. But when the child grows up a little, the child will first learn to say no. And then there's all kinds of troubles and evils and, and so on. Why would a child say no to parents? Just imagine for one minute. If a child never say no to parents, it would be perfect bliss in family life. Will it not be? An obedient child. You say, well, don't do that. Put it down. No, I won't. Well, come to church. Come to church quietly. No argument. Don't put your fingers into the PowerPoint. Oh, no, I won't do it. Oh, time for you to study. Oh, sit down and study. Well, family love will be perfect, please. And no suffering, pains to parents. Why would children say no to parents? You know the answer? Because the parents have said no to their own parents. It all started with Adam in the garden saying no to God his Father. What is sin? Sin is a mystery, isn't it? You say, what is sin? Sin is not something that you can look at in a microscope. Uh, there's, there's no chemistry in sin, so to say. Well, what is sin? It's a mystery, isn't it? Well, it is. Sin is just any lack of conformity to and transgression of the law of God. Sin is just not wanting to trust God, not wanting to obey Him. Sin is not something. Sin is non-being. Sin is lacking of obedience and conformity to the Holy Word of God. That is sin. 
Silica, foolish, crazy, self-centeredness. Now I trust you have heard. People in days gone by believed that the earth was in the center of everything. And the sun and the moon and the star revolve around the earth. You heard of that? Well, it sounds so right, isn't it? By own observation, we seem to be immovable. The sun rises and falls. Uh, the moon encircles us. The stars return. We are at the center of the universe. You say, what is a stupid? The earth is not at the center of the universe. Don't be so quick to say that. Because this is exactly what unbelieving, rebellious people believe and behave. Humanity is the supreme good. Humanity is at the center of the universe. Everything revolves around humanity. Or worse still, if we are more honest, people are saying, almost literally, I am the center of everything. I am the most important person in the world. Everything else exists for me. I set the rules for myself. Is it not so? You are so hard. Is, is, is it not what a human heart is, is like? This unholy trinity, I, me, myself, are the most important. This self-sovereignty, that is sin. And this self-sovereignty leads to the contraction of self so that we become self-absorbed. And there is a dead end. I've seen people walking their dogs, sometimes even their children, and they were fixated on the phone. They didn't know what their dogs have done, so they have to pick up what the dogs have done. Sometimes they are not even aware of what their children are up to. We live in a time when people are so good at taking selfies. I really admire those people who can take good selfies. Good skill. You take your selfie, put it in your social media, and say, I am so beautiful. I am so attractive. And then you got friends to tell lies to you and give you so many lies. You are such a beautiful person in the world. I'm at the center of the world. And the end is self-destruction. We don't have time and time again. At choice sight, people are taking selfies, going closer and closer to the cliff. All the candidates on himself. And this is going to be a wonderful picture for social media. And then they went to destruction. My dear friends, which way 
are you trapped? The way of self The way of God, the way of faith, the way of unbelief, I will end with this. Can we see the suffering of the people of Israel die for the ages? You read your Old Testament. How they end up in the exile. You read the New Testament. The Son of God came and people rejected him. Why did the chief priests and the scribes and Pharisees reject Jesus? Why? Why did they reject him? You know the answer? Money. Self. I don't want to forsake my money. I don't want to forsake my own self-righteousness, my pride. I don't want to say I'm a sinner. And I need Christ, the crucified Lord and Savior. And they suffer. And they suffer. And they suffer. Starting with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, AD 70, all the way up to our own time. There's no end to be seen. Which way are you in? Let's pray. O Lord our God, what Moses sounded forth so many years ago are still waiting in our ears. Give us the grace of faith to choose life that we may live. Through Jesus Christ our Lord.